Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Monday, February 14th. We begin with a themed version of Motivational Monday. This being Valentine's Day, we focus on love and more specifically how to keep your relationship on track and bring back the spark you and your partner felt in the early stages. We speak with Dr. Lauren Walker, a Calgary-based registered clinical psychologist. Next, we continue our ongoing health series, focusing on the impact the pandemic has had and continues to have on our mental health. This time out, we explore the importance of physical fitness to our overall mental well-being. Still on the topic of mental health, how do you know when it's time to seek the help of a professional such as a psychologist when you're going through a tough time? We discuss with Dr. Ted Jablonski, our on-call family physician. And finally, finding your forever partner is tricky enough, but managing finances together in a relationship can be even more difficult. We catch up with Jeremy Clark, CEO of CH Financial, for some advice on how to successfully discuss dollars and dating. The pandemic has been hard on relationships in a survey conducted by market research firm Finder Canada in 2021 found 15% of Canadians have experienced a breakup during the course of the pandemic. So before you call it quits, what can be done to get that spark back? Joining us this morning with insight is registered clinical psychologist and relationship expert, Dr. Lauren Walker. Good morning to you, Dr. Walker. Good morning to you. Can you uh, paint a bit of a picture? Obviously, there's client to confidentiality i'm sure but uh in your experience how challenging has the pandemic been on couples did you did you see an uptick oh absolutely and everyone that i've been talking to in the profession has definitely seen an uptick so there's a lot of need out there and couples are pretty distressed yeah it's been hard right i mean it's been a tough time anyway and then people working from home kids at home family time a lot more of it than we're used to so i mean is it can we blame it all on that for the breakups and divorce or is there more to it do you think well, I think there's a number of things related to the pandemic, certainly being cooped up, uh, spending far more time with your partner than you usually used to, um, extra stressors, not being able to kind of have opportunities for self-care and time for yourself. And then, of course, for families, just dealing with all the extra pieces of having kids at home and not being able to go to childcare or to school. And really, I think just balancing all of that is a lot for couples. And things have kind of just come to a head in terms of uh, how long you can keep putting up with that kind of scenario. Could a lot of it be, and again, like uh, to, to Sue's point there, you know, not necessarily blaming it on the pandemic, but the fact is this breaks our regular routine and our regular setup at home. Could it be just that change period that uh, affected so many couples? Well, I think, you know, there's the issue of many couples who are working from home. And I've been talking a lot to clients about this idea of transitions and how usually when we go to the office and then we come home, we have a little bit of time to kind of change our mindset in the drive home and that transition. Whereas now it's like work is at home and there is no space between work and home. So I think that a lot of people are struggling to create space for their partnerships and for investing in their relationship when the boundaries are so blurred. And and if there was even any slight crack in the foundation to begin with, it certainly, you know, made it that much worse through the past couple of years. So so what can couples do to, to try and get things back on track if it's something that's fixable right can you get the spark back do you think 
Well, you know, the question about whether you get the spark back is is something that we've been asking ourselves for ages, regardless of the pandemic. So I think that there's a, a piece here of just managing the chronic nature of dealing with all of the stresses of the pandemic. I think one of the things to keep in mind is that, you know, we hope this is a temporary situation and that when the pandemic is over or things kind of come to some sense of normalcy, that a lot of the the big issues around especially managing pandemic, managing risk, whether whether we get vaccinated or not, there's a lot of division in terms of people's opinions and where they stand on all of that. And so hopefully, you know, knowing that eventually a lot of that stuff will be able to put behind us and we can kind of resume normal life. But for many people, I think those kinds of issues have become like the the tipping point that it's difficult to imagine being with a partner that maybe has a very different sense of of the world and managing risk than, than we do. So I think one of the things in terms of keeping in mind is just that, you know, this isn't forever this is temporary and that there will be a point at which we can kind of resume some sense of normalcy dr walker i'm wondering you know you've you've had a rough patch in your relationship uh, due to the pandemic or otherwise when do you know that you should you know talk to somebody as a couple going into couples counseling at what point you say okay we, we have to get some outside help you know, I'm actually a big fan of prevention over dealing with things when they become really difficult. So I think any time is a good time to meet with a couple therapist or with a counselor in terms of being able to develop skills so that we can actually be more effective and have more healthy and enjoyable relationships. So rather than waiting until things are awful and you really, really need the help, I would suggest making an appointment and getting in so that you can be proactive rather than reactive. So on that note, do you recommend couples counseling to begin with or individual counseling before you go as a couple? And or whatever you can get into. Right now, I would say one of the challenges is accessibility, that there's a lot of wait lists and difficulty in terms of access. Um, If you can get into an individual therapist faster than a couple therapist, then individual therapists are still able to provide some support in terms of a place to talk about things that are stressful and give you sort of an outside perspective on how to cope and manage with relationship difficulties. I don't want to be a downer, Dr. Walker. This is motivational money. We want people to have the best relationships possible. But at what point do you know it's time to walk away and time to end a relationship? Because I think we've all been in those relationships where it's just been, you know, so comfortable or uh, been so long together that you don't even know what life would be like outside of that relationship. But when do you know when it's actually over? Yeah, I can appreciate that. I mean, you've made a big investment. You've spent a long time with someone. It's hard to imagine your life without that person. I think that, you know, we do have support and resources to be able to make those decisions in terms of counseling. So if you're unsure or even you're just really, really unhappy and you can't figure out what to do about it, getting some input from a professional can help you make those decisions. I also think it's something not to be made lightly, right? Um, We want to make sure that we're actually giving it a shot if there are some skills and some supports that can be put in place. So rather than kind of calling it quits because you've just had enough, uh, reaching out and getting some support to help you make that decision can be really beneficial. Okay, let's end on a positive note, it being Motivational Monday. Is there something that you can suggest, maybe a a quick tip to kind of motivate couples or individuals to try and, you know, put their best foot forward and, and really kind of improve the relationship going forward? 
Yeah, you know, one of the things I'm I'm often thinking about is that we get so so much of a kind of a tunnel vision when it comes to something that's really distressing to us. We focus on that specific conflict or that specific conversation where we were hurt in some way. And I find it helpful to sort of zoom out, take a little bit of a further step back and maybe kind of looking at the situation from 10,000 feet above, looking at the fact that you have a relationship, you have a commitment, you have a life with each other, you know, you've built some really wonderful things and you have a solid history, right? And so we can become so focused on the one thing that's really distressing us that we kind of forget the big picture. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a really important thing to remember is that this might be this moment where we're experiencing distress, but we have a lot of other really wonderful things likely going on for us in our relationships. Don't forget the greatest hits. I like that. Thank you Mm -hmm. so much for your time, Dr. Walker. You're so welcome. Thanks for having me. That is Dr. Lauren Walker, registered clinical psychologist. You can find out more about her work at drlaurenwalker.com. Now mornings with Sue and Andy and staying physically fit is one of the best tools for your mental health. This morning, we continue our health series. And in this installment, multimedia journalist with Global News, Skylar Peters, is looking at the impact of physical fitness on mental health. If this routine sounds familiar to you, you're not alone. We live in a world where most of our life is lived within the same four walls. Our homes have become our recreational space, our office, our classroom, our gym. And when you throw a cold Canadian winter into the mix, it can be tough to break out of that funk. Dave Giacchetta knows that feeling well. He's the founder of The Therapy Effect, a wellness and mindset coach, but he's also just a guy. And he remembers how it felt when his familiar routine was stripped away from him. I was very kind of standoffish and I thought, you know, oh, I don't have that, that gym anymore, so I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. It may not come as a surprise to you that a recent Leger survey found two of every three Canadians believe the country's collective mental health is worse now than it was before the pandemic. It wasn't always this way. A 2020 Belgian study showed most people actually made a concerted effort during the first few months of pandemic-related lockdowns to maintain the same lifestyle they had before they knew about COVID-19. Many people already know physical health is key to maintaining mental well-being, but dealing with what we once thought would be a short-term interruption for nearly two years now challenges even the most consistent. For people like Todd Duhamel, going to the gym has never been his cup of tea. And the University of Manitoba kinesiology professor says his physical wellness doesn't involve a gym membership, treadmills or dumbbells. What I do like to do is, is walking outside with my kids or standing at the hockey arena while I coach or skating on the ice, teaching kids how to shoot pucks. And no matter what that activity was, there's likely a part of it that's overlooked. They all come with this community aspect. And really for us from a psychology standpoint is, is vital to our mental health to be able to have that feeling of connection. Now that Jaquetta says that, it's understandable how the Belgian study found people were more likely to stick to a routine of physical activity when doing it alongside their partner or a family member or with the help of an online tool like a Fitbit. 
And Duhamel says that's just one of the things we're missing out on when we traded our offices for our dens and dining room tables. We actually don't even get up and, and walk to our cars and drive in, or we don't walk to the coffee shop to get a coffee in the middle of the day like we used to. Those small bouts of exercise were actually really beneficial to people. You can nail it all down to a certain protein that we're likely not getting enough of. As you move your muscles, you release these hormones. It crosses into your brain and actually releases something we call brain-derived neutrophic factor, BDNF. That actually shows that you um, can improve learning faster if you're moving. When we think of moving our muscles, we might think that means huffing and puffing, vigorous exercise. But that's not the case. Those little micro-workouts used to be all it took to bring us better physical and mental health. And Jaquetta says that hasn't changed. I developed this appreciation for just moving my body instead of the frequency, intensity, and the weights. Find a friend. We'll do something that you love to do, and that'll be a good start. Now we know that getting started doesn't mean having to make a big shift, but it could result in one. Going for that 10 to 15 minute walk, um, maybe that builds up into something else over time and, and it leads into you wanting to experience another leisure and exercise opportunity. And if you like what you do, scheduling it regularly can help bring some of that structure back to your day. One of the hardest things for me to do was tell myself when I'm going to be working out, when I'm going to be working and when I'm going to be doing, you know, my personal things. What really I was missing, what a lot of people are missing is that that stimulus change. And as we all collectively eagerly await a life beyond a pandemic, Duhamel believes what we do today may shape what those years look like. We got to think about our long-term health. By moving more now, by going outside and being active in small groups, we're actually probably preventing heart disease, mental health issues, cancers, and things like that later on. It can make a positive impact now. It can make a positive impact later. And it's easy to start. Sounds like it's worth a shot. For the 2022 Health Series, I'm Skylar Peters. Absolutely the case, I believe. you gotta, mm -hmm. you got to do something. you got to keep moving. It clears your mind. Can't sit and wallow in it. No. That just makes it worse. That's a good point in the sense that if you think there's nothing to do, and one of the things that he'd mentioned in the report was the micro-exercise, the small stuff. You know, maybe you, you, you were had trepidation going to the gym. Maybe you don't have a gym membership. Maybe you can't afford a gym membership. But walking around the block and making it a routine, mm -hmm. and making it a significant amount of steps, again, not to like be huffing and puffing, but to kind of feel that blood flowing, that's huge. And maybe give yourself a challenge, right? You well, do you the, the small block today or yeah. for a week, and then you go to a bigger block, and then, you know, it just anything. And it takes your mind off it. And fresh air, yeah. there is just nothing better. And, you know, I kind of uh, step back to that because, you know, I, I just said don't wallow in it. But I think sometimes you need to wallow in it for a very short time. You need mm -hmm. to wallow in it and own it. And then you need to be able to push it away and move forward. Well, by, or you can wallow in it while you're doing something. One of my, uh, my favorite sayings is uh, to, to, to feel normal, you have to do normal things. I like that. So you can yep. sit on the couch and you might not normally sit on the couch for four hours staring at the wall. Uh, so get yourself out of that seat and go around the block. And you'd be, you'd be surprised how quickly yeah. you can build up that endurance. It is only a couple of days and you can walk further. Believe me, it works for... for and just all uh, the chemicals in your body that start going once you get physically active, you cannot be miserable and unhappy when you're out in the fresh air. It's and, almost impossible. Yeah. And it's no different than... It's almost like I always say when you're driving home from skiing, but it's no different than the gym. It's, it's a similar uh, feeling that you feel in your body. It just feels so relaxing knowing yes. that you've done that. Yes. Your body's kind of... It's like the runner's high, I believe. I've never been much of a runner. 
Uh, but it's it's so much fun, and we have so many great parks and outside yes. areas. Like you don't even go if you don't have a dog. Who cares? Go to a dog park because they have beautiful parks with great pathways, and to see the dogs running around is kind of fun too. But just anywhere you can find yeah. where you get that experience, if it's in the mountains or elsewhere, the chemicals, everything will you know make you feel better about life, and it just it does help propel you forward. And if you're at the dog park, just watch your step. <laughs> Good point. Hey, now it's time uh, for our weekly segment with Dr. Ted Jablonski, our on-call family physician. And uh, Dr. Jablonski, over the past week, we've been focusing on mental health and the challenges uh, many of us have been facing around mental health as we approach the two-year mark of the pandemic. So we all know the importance of getting help if you're having a tough time. But how do we know, Dr. J, when we should be reaching out and we're not just having a bad day that we need professional help? I don't know that there's a perfect answer to that in these times. I think everyone is feeling, uh, I think, a bit more stressed, a little bit more anxious, a little more moody. But I think it's when things start to interfere with my day-to-day life, things that I know I normally could do, I just can't do anymore. Things that I normally would enjoy greatly, I don't enjoy them anymore. So I've lost that love for life. And nothing can sort of pull me, uh, like my mood can't be pulled back to normal no matter what I do. I think that if we get to that point, we know we are beyond just being a bit, you know, winter blues and just being in the middle of a pandemic. It's, it's beyond that. Too. And it, does it have to be sort of a, a prolonged thing? Because we were just talking about that. You know, sometimes you can wallow in it for a bit and then pull yourself out of it. Is it, is it when we're in it for a, a longer period of time and we just can't get ourselves out of feeling that way? Yeah, I think there is something to that. I mean, we all have bad days where you hit a day and just do what it isn't a good day and you just feel low that day and perhaps the next day. But this is when it's dragging into a few weeks. It's more than just a few days. And again, it's where I cannot pull myself out of it, no matter how long it is. Because uh, in any given day, I mean, you could have a crisis where things are really, really bad. Uh, and that could be literally very, very short lived. So. So I don't think the time element is, is the most crucial thing, but I think people who struggle with true depression, anxiety, this is something that drags on for weeks, if not months. Dr. J, this is interesting to me because as a consumer, if I want to buy a new Chesterfield, I know where to go or I can just look for the best deal. But where does one turn when they want to find a psychologist? You know, I, I think you want to make sure you're, you're finding the best fit for you, the best person without simply randomly looking up on, on Google, for example, how do I find a psychologist? So this is where your, your family doctor can be really, really helpful. So we have primary care networks all through the entire city and province. And if you connect into your family doc or nurse practitioner, if you have one, they, they can certainly do a lot of uh, the foundational work in regards to counseling and regards to whether you need meds and then can connect you to a psychologist, whether it be within the primary care network where they have connections directly or give you a list of people who they have perhaps worked with who they know are very good. So we have publicly funded psychologists. We also have privately funded psychologists, and both are very good. Most people actually have insurance and can get coverage for private psychologists. So there really is very little uh, reason not to move forward with this if we really need it. I think there's still this notion that you know, we're still in a pandemic. Nobody will see me. Uh, the psychologists are all working very, very hard. Uh, they're seeing people uh, in person. They're doing uh, uh, virtual um, sort of counseling if need be. But everyone's up and running and working, and you can connect into 
anybody you need to uh, if you really truly need to. So now's the time to not sit on this. I mean, you're referencing before sort of that movement, getting moving, uh, doing something, and now's the time that we have to take an active stance and move forward on that. 100%. Thank you so much, Dr. J. Always appreciate your take on things. Have a great day. Happy Valentine's Day, by the way. Oh, same to you both. Thank you so much. Dr. Ted Jablonski is our on-call family physician. And like he said, you can reach out. There are lots of uh, psychologists, et cetera, that will take you for free if you don't have coverage. And a lot of companies have unlimited coverage right now to help their employees. So just ask for help. Go to your family doctor if you don't know where to go. Mm -hmm. We know the saying, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer. But what about in good debt or bad debt? Our friends at CH Financial have some tips on how to navigate financial literacy in your relationship. And joining us now is CEO Jeremy Clark. Good morning, Jeremy. Thanks for being with us again. Good morning, Sue. Nice to to hear from you and happy Valentine's Day to you. Happy Valentine's Day to you as well. Let's talk about it because, I mean, it can really be a a big problem in a relationship. You can love each other madly, but there's often someone who is better with money and maybe someone who likes to spend a little more. So does that seem like something that you hear often? Is that an issue between couples a lot of the time? Yeah, quite often. In fact, I would say it's really unlikely to find two... uh, you know, two partners that have similar or identical views on money. So yes, it's much more common to have people with with different views. Obviously, the key to any relationship is communication. And uh, Jeremy, you have to communicate, you know, perhaps exactly what your situation is. If you're, you know, tens of thousands of dollars in debt, I think your partner, if you're going to be moving in, needs to know about that. Uh, but, But at what point, and this moves into the relationship realm, at what point should we be bringing something like this up in the dating stages or when marriage and the idea of marriage is in conversation? You know, it's a really interesting point. It's kind of a delicate issue, right? Because, you know, if you're going out on a few dates, do you really want to be devolving or disclosing this stuff uh, uh, early on? But do you really want to wait until you're proposing or getting married? Probably not that either. So I think as something starts to get more serious, it's up to each partner's discretion in terms of how serious is it, and therefore should I really start to disclose some financial information. But as weird as it sounds, it's probably one of the most intimate things you can disclose to somebody, and hence you know, there's a bit of delicacy around when exactly you do it. And maybe if nothing else, it makes you think before you get into a relationship, well, maybe I should get my stuff under control, right, and go talk to somebody and, and have somebody help me figure out and deal with my finances. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. We've had uh, couples before where I think they get to kind of to that stage and it sort of makes them, uh, let's say, rethink the relationship. So, yeah, very, very good point. I'm wondering, you know, it seems to me like in my relationships and uh, in the past and, and uh, obviously in my marriage, I know that there are so many different dynamics. In uh, your professional opinion, have you ever had two people sit across from you in your office and, they, and they're on the exact same page? Does that ever happen? I think, um, you know, some, some older couples uh, are, are like that, to be honest with you. You know, you might have one person who's carved out their niche. Maybe they're the person who budgets every month. And then you have the other person who's responsible for sort of big, um, you know, bigger spending, things like that. So once in a while, but, but not very often. So, I mean, it must be difficult, but doable then, right? To help two people reach their independent financial goals, but also their joint financial goals. That, that must be a hard task, but is it doable? It's definitely doable. And I think the way that we always try to look at it is you, there's got to be some sort of middle ground because money is the kind of thing that can eat away uh, at a relationship if you're not addressing these issues. So it's something that just sort of is sitting there. And if you're not addressing and trying to get at least somewhat on the same page, it can be something that really, really hurts the overall relationship. 
Very interesting, super timely. And I know mm-hmm. that when we're talking about love, one of the last things we want to talk about is finances. But, uh, you know, it's reality, isn't it, Jeremy? Thank you so much. Well, thank you. Jeremy Clark, CEO of CH Financial, joining us this morning. And it is interesting because even down to like, you know, not, not that you're, you know, you might be wildly different when it comes to spending and saving, but at some point when you're living under the same roof and bills have to come out for account, I mean, you have to talk about, are we going to have a joint account? Who's going to be responsible for X and who's going to be responsible for Y? Yeah. There's, you know, the reality of life is at some point, you know, unless you're independently wealthy, Studio. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Somebody can't be paying every single bill. There has to be some kind of a, a carve-up or a contribution, I would think, it, if you're both working, obviously. You know, it really is something you have to talk about because it can destroy a relationship. You know, it is something that you can fight about and fight constantly, and that's enough to change things, especially right at the beginning. So it's something you need to talk about. You can't just hide it under the rug. If somebody is, this, you know, a spender and somebody else is like, no, man, I like moths in my wallet. Yeah. this it, You do need to figure that out and find a happy medium that makes it okay for both people. Well, and I think we all have, you know, our past. And, and a lot of us, you know, you, you sometimes keep your own thoughts to yourself. But I would think that in the end, not divulging something about yourself like your finances is almost like keeping a secret from your spouse that could impact them mm. down the line. So I think bigger picture, it's that communication piece and being vulnerable uh, vulnerable enough to lay it all out there. Good point. Don't want to start off on a Ooh. broke and bad foot. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcast, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. And tune in to Mornings with Sue and Andy from 530 to 9 every weekday morning on 770 CHQR.